You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Tavares working in with a drop pass. Nylander scores! The Rangers win the battle. They score! Centering pass for Brodzinski. You guys made it into the Super Bowl to actually secretly re-elect President Biden. That's way out of my league. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. And we are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning, Michael. Uh, A-Dog, good morning to you. I can't believe we had little John on the show yesterday. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. They pay the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What? 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 What are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what. That was our dramatic reading of the Kintech read. He was working on that all last night. Oh, that was pretty good. I need to, I need to deliver it with more oomph. I'm like, mm. Jason. It's like a Shakespearean sonnet over there. Like, what? Why really would feel you it. wait? Why? What? Yeah, what? In, in... Your, your, your feet are so sore. Why would you just sit there and do nothing about it? Why would you wait? Andy, you're an actor. Kintech's What's... like, are you mocking us, sir? No, no, no. What's the appropriate dramatic response there? Do I respond with... Equal amounts of emotion, or do I respond with a emphatic response? Like, I feel your pain. Yes. Yeah, the answer the, is. The second one. And then I wait for the dramatic pause. Literally the opposite of what you did. I gaze yeah. into his eyes. Kintek. I'm waiting for you. Uh, okay, we got a big show ahead. <laughs> We're not going to filibuster like this all show. Uh, it is 6.02 on a Thursday. The Canucks are in action today. Four o'clock puck drop from Boston. So, uh, Stanley Cup preview, anyone? Let's just get it out there, Okay. I'm not making it up. It's all over the place. The first and second place teams in the NHL are doing battle tonight, okay? The Canucks are number one in the NHL with 73 points. The Bruins are number two with 71. This isn't me trying to draw ratings or get clicks. It's a big game tonight. Four o'clock, Rogers Arena, or not Rogers Arena, uh, TD Garden in Boston. Uh, pre-game, post-game, and the actual game all right here on Sportsnet 650. We got a bunch of guests today. We're going to do our uh, second Super Bowl preview of the week at 630. With Nick Shook, one of our favorite football guests from NFL.com. At 7.30, we're going to go to Boston. We're going to talk to Nesson Bruins studio analyst. But more importantly, former Vancouver Canucks goalie, Andrew Raycroft, is going to join us for a little game preview between the Bees and the Canucks. We're going to get the Bruins side of things. Yes, Greg? One of the best setups in Canucks history, the goaltending gear that he wore, the blue stuff. Yeah, it was. He was really only nice. here for a short time, uh, but a good time. Mm-hmm. I remember Andrew Raycroft well. Uh, we'll talk to him at seven thirty. Totally forgot he played for the Canucks. Some of us don't remember him as I well. I won't mention that to him. No, you, you can... play for the Canucks. Hey, good for you. And at eight o'clock, it's Thomas Drance, the Drancer from the Athletic, and Canucks talk right here on Sportsnet six fifty as we preview tonight's game. Uh, a reminder: we are giving away yet another pair. It's the penultimate pair. There's some alliteration for you. One pair of tickets to the three-day rugby extravaganza known 
as the HSBC Rugby Sevens. It is at BC Place from February 23rd to 25th. If you want to go, send a What We Learned into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Put a ticket emoji, put a rugby ball emoji, put a Canada flag emoji. So many options to win. We're making it real easy for the listeners here. Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. What we learned, of course, is what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. And as mentioned, the game is on tonight. Four o'clock from Boston, Bruins and Canucks. Uh, working in reverse real quick on the guest list. Eight o'clock, Thomas Drance. 7.30, Andrew Raycroft. 6.30, Nick Shook. Big show, big show. Uh, without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. It was an off day for the Vancouver Canucks yesterday in Boston. Uh, They traveled from Carolina, so I guess they got to do all the things you do in Boston. They went to Cheers. I'm not sure whatever else. They went to Boston Commons, walked around. They went to Harvard. They did all that fun stuff. The only real news is that uh, Linus Carlson didn't get to participate in the trip because he's on his way back to Abbotsford. Yeah, and I wonder if that could suggest the return of Phil DiGiuseppe, possibly not to the lineup, but just to the uh, active roster. Uh, not sure the Canucks will be looking to make any changes after Tuesday's win at Carolina, but I suppose PDG could come in for someone. I don't know. Lafferty was the low man in ice time. Uh, I don't really consider, it's funny, I don't really consider Hoaglander a big healthy scratch option right now or anymore. Can't take him out. Uh, So that leaves um, a guy like the other winger on the fourth line, Sam Lafferty, who is the low man in ice time on Tuesday. As noted, uh, I doubt they'll make any changes, but you never know. Uh, More importantly, the Canucks are playing the Boston Bruins. This is their first meeting of the season. They'll play again in Vancouver in a few weeks uh, on February 24th, the Bruins will probably be pretty fired up tonight after a dismal loss to Calgary on Tuesday. You know how everyone was praising the Canucks for coming out of the All-Star break all focused and ready to go. Yeah, it was the opposite for the Boston Bruins because they lost to Calgary. They're quite poor. Um, I'm actually looking forward to watching Boston tonight just out of curiosity, not because I'm a big Bruins fan or anything, uh, just because I'm still not sure how they've been winning so much with Charlie Coyle as their 1C. No disrespect to Coyle. I've actually always liked his game going back to his days in Minnesota. Um, But it's one thing to be a good player. It's quite another to take over for Patrice Bergeron. Um, Now, look, I know the Bruins still have some elite players up front, um, wingers like Pasternak and Marchand, and on the back end like McAvoy. And, of course, they play really well defensively and have solid goaltending still. We've seen so many great teams that are built down the middle. Yeah. And most of the times when you see a Stanley Cup champ, you've got, you know, at least one really good center, usually two, sometimes three. Um, and, you know, the Bruins are a great example of that. Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci going one, two for so many years. Well, they had a great 3C. It was Charlie Coyle. Yeah, exactly. You expect. You just expect to drop off when you go to, uh, who is it now? Coyle, Zaka, Geeky, and Boquist? I, yeah. I, I guess. So I guess technically the Bruins have dropped off and dropped off quite a bit compared to last season when they finished with 135 points. They're only on pace for, you know, I don't know what, 
110 points yeah, this season? Why don't you lose this? They only have 10 regulation yeah. Massive drop-off. Um, one test for the Canucks tonight will be stopping Boston's power play, which is running at around 26%, which means stopping one of those elite wingers, Pasternak or Marchand, who, who get most of their goals with the man advantage. The, just about the only thing you could have said about Elias Lindholm in his Canucks debut was he was on the ice for a power play goal against. Right. Um, it's not like it was his fault or he was actively involved in the goal, but um, he was on the ice, so do better tonight. Yeah, no Elias kidding. Lindholm, like, you, you, I thought you were a 200-foot player, buddy. We saw you score a couple goals, but what's going on on the PK? Yeah, it's obviously a problem, and we're going to highlight huge, that throughout the show. Huge problem. Um, this isn't really a rivalry anymore. I suppose it might still be for a handful of Canucks fans just in their minds, but the only guy left from that Stanley Cup final is Marshawn. And if you want to think about it in a different way, Quinn Hughes was like 12 years old yeah. in 2011, yeah. and now he's the captain of the Canucks. Yeah, there's nothing left from 2011. Well, um, Marshawn's left. That's Okay. The Marshawn's left, but there's nothing really left. I mean, there's just a big nose and a yeah, good hockey player. They got carved up the other day. Pospisil cross checked him in the face. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. He got thrown out of the game for that. And then, and then he, he got and resigned. Then, and then he got a two year contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically like, for that. Yeah, yeah. We like your gumption. Um, yeah. It may not be a, a rivalry, but, you know, as Halford mentioned, amazingly, it's a potential Stanley Cup final. Well, I, I will. I'll just at look, least I'll jump if you in look, real quick. At, at least if you look at the current standings. Oh, I'll jump in. In the next uh, two weeks. These two teams play each other twice, so I'm not saying that that's going to spice up the dormant rivalry, but in terms of narratives moving forward, I mean, everyone's going to look at these two games and say, this is a potential Stanley Cup final. You can't not say it, so I'm leaning into it. Look at the state Again, look at the standings. These are the top two teams in the National Hockey League. I love how the Canucks have made us believe that anything's possible this anything year. is possible it's like it's like we've already gone down the road of unlikely and we've traveled so far down this road of like i can't believe this is happening why not travel just a little bit further sure can you imagine just just imagine not only do the canucks magically make a run to the stanley cup final in this imaginary dream scenario okay they get the Bruins. That'd be great. In which case, no, would not yes, really. Would. Yep. In which case, is it a nightmare scenario? No, like I don't, that I is that is that is the ultimate. I can't God do two God. losses in the road. To yeah, the Bruins can in the you finals. can you imagine that is like the ultimate oh, I don't hockey think about gods it. trick? On as as the sweet as it would base. be to beat them in the finals, <laughs> you have the, to the opposite it. is so so bad See, that I, I don't even want to take that chance. I disagree oh. with you. But I disagree with you both. I think it would be the absolute chef's kiss. Of a Stanley Cup final. There oh, it'd be, be a great final. I'm not no, 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 you have to, you have to take be, it. You have to was, take it. It's too risky. It's it way too, too risky, risky, though. It's yeah. too risky. What would, what, imagine, defense. though. Just no, imagine. It checks. Like it, it, it's, it's like, it would be like, uh, it would be like having the heartbreak of your life, falling in love with someone, and, 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 and you know, like, you, you, you live this great, you know, short time together and and then there's like a horrid breakup like she, out of nowhere mm -hmm. she dumps you and you're like what happened 
And then, you know, like 15 years later, she comes back into your life and she says, I want to get back together. And you're like, like I just spent the last 15 years recovering from you. And now you want to get back together. And Alfred's like, okay. Yeah. Let's have a kid. And then then she's like, actually, nah. (laughs) No, that's I would travel back in time to my 2011 self and be like, okay, the Canucks Uh will make the finals again someday. However, <laughs> what you have to do is you have to understand. And Marshawn scores the winning goal no, in triple oh, overtime okay. of Game Seven. Okay. No, uh, I can't do it. It's too much. But I'm, it, but this I'm all is, about it. But like, uh, I think tonight is the this is the like pre pre Stanley Cup Final Game One. Honestly, it's 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 such a Canuck scenario at this point that I almost would expect it to happen. Like if it did occur, I'd be like, "Yep, yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah, okay, it's fair." I mean, the other thing, too, is that as we once again relitigate 2011 for the 276 billionth time on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650 and TSN 1040 when we did it back then, too. I, You know, the way that that series went from, hmm, no storylines, no passion, no history to this is the most savage Stanley Cup final in the last 30 years was great. That was the thing is there was no rivalry going into it. There was nothing. Oh, I, if you weren't a fan of either team watching that final, it would be like the best thing ever. I kind of remember a lot of like television executives in the aftermath saying, like, going into that, we were very concerned because we yeah. had a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup final. So uh, American viewers were like this. I mean, the American audience was kind of like whatever, right? They're not usually not all that invested in the Canadian teams, just in historically speaking. And then there was no real – I remember going through the regular season matchups of the two teams – Going into the Stanley Cup final, and the games were total duds. Yeah, they were probably was, sleepers because they didn't really know each other. There was other. just nothing there. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably get off this because we're a long ways away from that. I did want to just focus on this Bruins team, though, because... Um, <laughs> Surrey Ryan, the Bruins are basically Jenny from Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really good... That's a very apt... Very apt. Right? I thought a lot about while I was running. I yeah. thought about Jenny. Yeah, like she just keeps coming back into your life, and it's never good. <laughs> they have a kid together. Is he like me? <laughs> yeah. Is, is he? That's it. Well, that was that's the Forrest Gump model. It's like, yeah, she's bad for you, and she's probably not going to stick around, but it'll work if we have a kid together. True story. Well, Jenny, like she was like, he's doing he's doing pretty well in school. Don't worry, Forrest. Yeah, yeah. And Forrest was like, all right, like there you go. <laughs> However, is Boston Jenny? Because I mean, she eventually did die. So Boston is Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there. You know. That's the second Stanley Cup final. <laughs> what happens to Jenny? Well, for Boston, she it's not was, great. She was awful. She was she 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 she, comes, she, she, she had a heart of gold. Out. She had her problems. <sighs> Yeah, she treated him pretty badly. No, though. she didn't. She just didn't what treat him. What are you gr- talking about? She just didn't treat him great. She kept coming. He would. She. He was the. She was the one that he loved unconditionally. But right? she never loved him. But she, you know. Came I mean, back I understand. Understand why <laughs> there yeah. might not have been that attraction right off the hop. But right, but eventually she learned that like, you know Forrest was, like <laughs> Forrest was a special person. Forrest was a special person. Yeah. Not. Okay. I, I think. Agree. Anyway. The, so the the Jenny from Forrest Gump Boston Bruins comparison analogy is out there now. If you want to weigh in on that, Dunbar Lumber text line is six fifty six fifty. We should go over a couple of the news and notes from last night in the National Hockey League. Um, the Leafs had a very very crazy victory. It seems like the Leafs only play in really bizarre uh, end of game. Everything gets decided at the end of the game. So uh, the Maple Leafs scored two goals in 20 seconds in the third period yesterday against Dallas. Right after giving up a penalty shot goal. It's just an, it, they're, they're, it's a complete roller coaster every game mm. that they play. So 
They look like they may be on their way to a loss in very dramatic fashion, giving up a penalty shot goal, but then they score twice in 20 seconds. They win 5-4 in Toronto. Uh, So I kind of wanted to shift, though, to the Rangers-Tampa Bay game because there was a couple of pretty big storylines emanating from this one. The first was the what you brought up yesterday with Jonathan Quick getting his third consecutive start for the Rangers, and he stops 18 of 19 shots for another victory as the Rangers defeat the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-1. At MSG, I, I know, I know. But just before you get to the next story, yeah, I, I know um, people in Vancouver don't really love Jonathan Quick. I I don't know how many people love Jonathan Quick. He can be just kind his of immediate a, family. He can be well, on the of, Rangers now. He can be kind of like a miserable dude. Yep. Um, but just the way Daryl Sutter liked it. We, yeah. We, we we all thought he was done, done, right? Like, and just not just complete. us. Noted goalie expert Kevin Woodley. And, and who also came on the show and said, I got it totally wrong with Quick and the Rangers. He thought it was a terrible fit. And this is the best yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it is remarkable that he's there. And I and I guess it shows having the value of like a backup netminder that um has done it before, even sure. if he's getting old. Like I I you know, we talked to Dave Hall yesterday about Archer Silovs, and Dave was kinda like I asked him, you know, if the Canucks can't afford to pay a guy like Casey DeSmith, do you think Dave Hall would, or not Dave Hall, do you think Arthur Seelovs would be, you know, okay in the backup role? He's like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure he'd be fine in the backup role. And I'm kind of like, yeah, man, you just kind of said that rather like, you know, easily, Mm -hmm. right? It's in, in, it's in, maybe he doesn't know how important the position is to me. Yeah, it's very important Well, it is, but it's an important position for the team. That's why it's important to you. Um, Because you're asking a guy not only to play maybe 20% of your, get 20% of your starts, Mm -hmm. you're also asking him to be the guy if there happens to be an injury or if your top guy just happens to go through something Unexpected. Like, think of some of the starting goalies that have gone through unexpected struggles um, this year. There was, I don't know if Samsonov went into the season as the starter. I imagine he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Shesterkin right now is is really struggling. Like, if you look at his numbers in the past month, they are they're really bad. Yep. So, he, you know, Demko went through a stretch where he was just off, and that happens to goalies. Yep. And, you know, it happens to every player, but it's a lot more noticeable when it's a goalie, when you, Laddie, I imagine when you just kind of get get a little bit lost, you get away from your technique, maybe you're chasing the game a little bit, um, you lose your confidence. Um, you need a backup to go in there, and what's happening right now in New York is Jonathan Quick is playing pretty well. He's a veteran guy, and he's able to – um, allow Shesterkin to have some time alone with Benoit Allaire, the, their goalie coach, and, and and work on his game. Meanwhile, the Rangers aren't losing a ton of ground in, in the standings. And, you know, what happens when you bring in some goaltending that you don't trust is sometimes you actually start playing completely different in front of that goalie. You lose your structure. You lose your system. That's why a backup goalie is so important. Yeah, and so that was the one big story from yesterday out of that game. The second biggest story is that Tyler Mott got a video tribute from the Rangers, which is amazing because he played 33 games there. I think we've set a new bar for uh, acknowledgments when you go back. Now, he did do two tours of duty with the Rangers. but Did he the got... Canucks even give him one? Has he been back? I don't know. The video tribute was 15 minutes, too. <laughs> it delayed the game. <laughs> it was as long as Forrest Gump. Yeah, no. And then the third story 
And th- it started with like a feather falling. That's true. <laughs> Tyler Mott sitting on a, a, a <laughs> sitting at a bus stop with a box of chocolates. <laughs> like I love it here. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Let's focus because this takes a very hard turn now. Forrest Gump. Yeah, that's true. Every this. Every interview today, you just got to mention Forrest Gump, just pepper it into the show. So uh, for the Lightning, uh, pretty significant development on the injury front. Yesterday, they got Mikhail Sergachev back on the blue line uh, after he missed 17 games with a lower body injury. So he was out since December 19th, makes his return. He suffered maybe even a worse injury last night. Uh, his left leg bent very awkwardly underneath him uh, while he was trying to chase a hit on Alexis Lafreniere, and he got stretchered off. This morning, uh, a bunch of uh, various NHL insiders are reposting, including Elliot Friedman reposted it. I guess Sergachev went to Instagram overnight and posted a very, very emotional, raw, unfiltered um, post about his injury and how frustrated he is and how disappointed he is. Because it sounds like this is going to be a season ender for him. So that's a huge loss for a Tampa Bay team that, as we've talked about numerous times on this show, has just been whittled away by salary cap constraints and free agency and guys getting older over the years. Um, we will see, one, how this affects Sergeyev and our, you know, obviously, everyone hopes that he'll be able to make a full return and get back to it as basically a good young defenseman. The, basically, like if the Canucks had lost Horonic. Yeah, it's a huge loss for Tampa Bay, who is fighting tooth and nail to stay in the playoff chase in the Eastern Conference. So there's that uh, news. We'll, m- we'll move now from the National Hockey League to MLS, although it's actually the CONCACAF Champions Cup. I got to get the, the wording right on that. The, the Vancouver Whitecaps were back in action yesterday, Jason. Their season kicked off. Yeah, February 7th. That's when the Whitecaps season officially got underway. They were playing Mexican outfit Tigres, mm-hmm. who they've played uh, a number of times over the last few years in these various CONCACAF competitions. And they were playing them in Langford. In, at Starlight Stadium in Langford. Uh, great atmosphere. Is the home show on right now in BC Place? Is that why? Boat show. Boat show. Boat show or home show? I don't know. <laughs> some sort of show. Well, some of the boats have homes in them. That's true, and some of the homes have boats attached to them. It's true. 1-1 draw for the Whitecaps against Tigres, which on it, the surface sounds like a great result. Tigres are one of the powerhouse teams in the Mexican League. What's more, the Mexican League has been playing for a few months now, so they're mm-hmm. kind of up and running and in good shape. Yeah, but They're like, it's always warm down here. <laughs> peel back the layers, and I would classify this as a disappointing result for the Caps because they held a 1-0 lead until the 85th minute. Oh, it was that late, was it? Yep. They had numerous chances to make it 2-0. In fact, Brian White actually scored to make it 2-0, and then a rather controversial VAR chalked it off at Langford, or at Starlight, sorry. Um, and then a very questionable foul led to the free kick from mm-hmm. uh, Gignac, a French international who plays in Mexico for Tigres. He uh, represented France at Euro and World Cup and everything. Very good player. Uh, a, a belter, as they call it, of a free kick, although I think uh, Yohei Takayoko would want it back in the Whitecaps goal. So the end result is the Caps get a 1-1 draw with a team that is um, one of the best in a better league. The league MX is better. And then they got to go down there. And that's going to be real tough. Uh, Tigres have not lost at home this year. Okay. So it's, uh, they need it. Hey, at least they get to go to Mexico, right? Yeah. Like it's nice and warm. They get a vacation. Maybe they could spend some time on the beach. When is that? Don't drink the water. Huh? Uh, it is. I got it here. Uh, February 14th, Valentine's day. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, God bless the caps as they go down there. It's going to be real tough. 
Because they can't go for a goal of straw anymore. Mm-hmm. They now need to go down there and get a result. And this is the tournament they got into by winning the Canadian Championship, right? This is the CONCACAF Champions Cup. I actually... Okay. So is it? Yes. Okay. Different from all the 18 other competitions they've got this year. There's like the League's Cup, the CONCACAF Champions League. It's all different stuff. Oh, this yeah. is the Champions Cup, not the Champions League. CONCACAF Champions Cup, yes. This is, yeah, I know. <laughs> I can't keep up with all the tournaments, You only have man. one champion. How many champions are there? The answer is several. So this is the one that uh, Forge is in, the CPL team. They played last night as well. Oh, they do. Uh, they lost 3-1 to Shivas in Hamilton, laddie. There was 11,000 people turned out. The, the traveling Shivas supporters uh, were very, very prevalent in Hamilton so last night. there are... Look, don't make me explain it any further, please. It's very why complicated. Do they, why, what, what is the end game of all these... All this interleague play? Like, how... how so there's MLS involved. Yes. Uh, what's CPL. it? CPL. League MX. League MX. Yeah. And anything else? I believe the winner of the U.S. Open Cup, which is open to all the American teams oh, from MLS okay. down. Yeah. Do you think the Whitecaps like playing all these games? I mean, it's kind of a cool way to start your season, if we're being honest, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a series of meaningless exhibition games. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. This matters to the Whitecaps, but it also doesn't. Like, if they advance, it's great. But if they don't, they're like, well, this will clear up our schedule for later in the year. So you look at it and you're like, you get to have a good opponent. Mm. Uh, you didn't get to play at home, but you had a pretty decent um, second match. By the way, you know, Langford, Starlight, is not just playing home to the Whitecaps. Uh, Cavalry, the Cal- the Calgarian team, also has to play a match there. They're playing against Orlando. Don't they play in the? Uh, uh, don't they play where all the horses? Yeah, also uh, play. Apparently, it was not <laughs> not up- soccer, but <laughs> uh, yeah, they the, do the, the horse dancing and the horse jumping. Yeah, the equestrian center in Calgary. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's not up to snuff for uh, Champions Cup. Just because it's still not like the the grass hasn't grown or something. Or? Uh, there's a variety of things that go into it. I think you need a minimum requirements for cameras, lighting, oh, uh, crowds, the whole bit. Again, you're really throwing me on the spot with my Concacaf cup. <laughs> I'm trying my best here, folks. Can you feel me treading water? This was like when I was talking about Jenny earlier in the show. Uh, Nick Shook is going to join us next for a little Super Bowl talk on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Six thirty-two on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Nick Shook from NFL.com is going to join us in just a moment here for some more Super Bowl preview. Hour one of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler, pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are now just a handful of days away from the big football game. By a friendly reminder, I'll throw this in there. If you want to get uh, reservations to the big football party at the Clayton Public House, uh, it's hosted by Sportsnet 650. Visit them online at theclaytonpub.com. Yep. Are you having a Super Bowl party? Yep. What are you doing? At your place? Yep. Yeah, nice. We're having a, we're having a party. You wouldn't like it. That's why I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get an invite. Yeah, because it's, it's yeah. a um, 
How should I put it? What's the correct terminology? It's, it's, it's going to be filled with normies. Got awkward. Really oh, quick. I see. No. I see. Yeah. He doesn't like going to a Super Bowl party where there's a lot of people that don't know anything mm. about football, let alone sports. Right. So you're saving him by not inviting. Him. Yeah. I, well, no, it's not saving. Like I didn't. He would. <laughs> here's the thing. If I invited Jason, as he weeps uncontrollably on the air, like Forrest Gump, um, I'm, I'm the Jenny in this situation. I know what love is. <laughs> Why didn't you invite me? Um, look, no, he wasn't English. I know that was not good. Uh, I he would he would more than like very bluntly turn down the invite, and I'd be okay with that. We have that kind yeah, of relationship, yeah. right? So it's not like I have to spare his feelings. I just know. That if I invite him, the question would be who's going to be there, and then the next response would be like, "Hell no!" I'm you not just don't to. even go through that process, right? You yeah, we know we've been working together for like 15, 16 years. I know how this is going to go, right? Uh, Nick is waiting patiently on hold as we break down. I would have said yes, you know. No, I wouldn't have. Let's go to the phone lines no, now. I wouldn't have. Nick Shook from NFL.com here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. Morning, Nick. How are you? I'm good. I feel like I just uh, witnessed you guys have a breakthrough in your in your friendship. Yeah, it was a big moment. Yeah, neither of us had to lie down on a leather couch for this either, which is nice. It's like therapy in real time. Also, while we preview the Super Bowl, are you in Vegas right now? By the way, I meant to ask that off the air, but we'll do it now. Yeah, I'm staring at I'm staring at Allegiant Stadium right now. Beautiful. <laughs> um, so one of the big talking points for media day and then subsequent media interviews, it's the good old Brock Purdy is a game manager narrative. I noticed that that one really took center stage. I noticed that 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan push back against that narrative. What did he have to say about Brock Purdy, the game manager, or I guess Brock Purdy, not just the game manager? Well, I mean, he essentially pushed back on it, but in a very, it's, it, it reads like a long-winded way, but um, a pretty thoughtful response is just in breaking down how Brock is not just a manager and also how the negative connotation that's associated with that, you know, phrase um, should really be re-examined because, if you can't manage a game, you can't play quarterback anyway. So you should be able to do that at, at a you know base level in the NFL. And and he you know he explained that there are certain things that he wants his quarterbacks to do in the system. And can, how can you operate it? Can you you know adjust to it? Can you improve in it? And do all these different things that we expect from you. And uh, kind of turn that comment into I don't know why this has been a narrative with him. And we actually like him and. You know, he's much more than what you're suggesting he is with that term. And, uh, you know, propped up his quarterback's, uh, you know, confidence. Not that his quarterback needs it. Not that his quarterback's a guy that's really worried about the spotlight and everything else. But, uh, you know, basically shut it down in an eloquent of sorts uh, way. And I thought I was just impressed by it. I, I, I was like, wow, I'm surprised he's taking this head on this week. So it was good. It was a good job out of Kyle. Who's under the most scrutiny in this Super Bowl? I think about Brock Purdy. I think about Kyle Shanahan. Any other names come to mind? And people like scrutiny, I mean, um, I don't know if he can do this, but he might be able to do this. Hmm. That's a good question. I think, yeah, Shanahan and Purdy are, you know, the top two. Um, Mahomes is always going to be just because. You know, he's the quarterback, and this has been an offense that um, has really not figured it out until the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not certain that they can do this or that and this or that being, you know, find a consistent rhythm in the Super Bowl. So we'll see. But I think about Ch- probably Chase Young of the Niners, uh, just because he's not producing the numbers that they expect him to, but they went and got him for moments like this, um, and, you know, paired with Nick Bosa to see if they can actually – you know, make a difference. I think back to the Eagles game against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl last year and how the Eagles had this vaunted defensive front that ended with exactly zero sacks. Um, and I wonder if it's going to be any 
you know, if the, the Niners are going to have an even tougher time, um, you know, that was then, this is now. So there are differences, but that's the one thing that I just keep coming back to. But individually, um, I feel like a lot of the Chiefs are flying under the radar just because, you know, you got young guys at receiver, you got a, a defense that everybody loves. Everybody's talking about how good Steve Spagnolo is and Andy Reid and everything else. So I think I feel like the microscope is more on the 49ers. I remember when there used to be a huge microscope on Andy Reid for, you know, things like clock management. Um, what is the knock on Kyle Shanahan if there is one in big games like this? Well, what's funny is what they've done in the postseason is kind of reverse the narrative that I was about to reference, which is that if you take an eight-point lead on in the, you know, I think it was <laughs> – five or eight point lead on them in the fourth quarter, you basically could guarantee that you won the game because those teams don't know how to come back and they've been able to come back storm back twice uh, to take the you know lead and end up winning these games. So the, what is the knock on Kyle? The knock on Kyle is probably that occasionally he gets too inside his own head and kind of out coaches himself at times, but it's really more just about getting the job done, getting over the hump and not collapsing in a Super Bowl. You know, he's been a part of two pretty significant defensive collapses and he's obviously an offensive coach but he's a head coach and he was part of one of those defensive collapses and you know systemic collapses against the Chiefs the last time they were in the Super Bowl so he the, the knock on him is that he hasn't gotten the job done yet and we'll see if he can we're speaking to Nick Shook from NFL.com here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650 Nick is live on location in Vegas for this year's Super Bowl a reminder the big football game in case you were unaware Go Sunday. Uh, visit the ClaytonPub.com, by the way, for more if you want to check out the Sportsnet 650 party. Uh, what kind of game in terms of scoring are you expecting on Sunday, Nick? Are you expecting like a, <clears throat> sorry, like a redux of last year where the Chiefs and Eagles threw up all kinds of points? Or could we get one of those Patriots-Rams game from a few years ago where it's in the teens? Mm, I think those are the two extremes. Uh, I'm going to land somewhere closer toward what we got last year, but not quite as high. It's like I, my, my prediction has both teams finishing with points in the twenties, but mm-hmm. including a fourth quarter touchdown to give one team the lead over the other to go on to win the game. So um, that, I mean, Rams Patriots that year was, we can all admit those kind of a miserable watch. That was a tough watch. And um, I think that both of these offenses will find ways to put more points on the board than that. I mean, if you really want to try to nail it down, you might get what we saw in the AFC championship game. I just feel like Kyle Shanahan's a better play caller than, Todd Munkin proved to be in that game. And I think if Todd Munkin had figured out how to, you know, <laughs> call his offense right, remember that he could run the football, that we probably would have gotten at least another touchdown out of the Ravens. So that's why I think it'll be higher. I don't think it'll be like in the, you know, a, a 17-16 game. I think we'll creep up with another score each. But we're de- I, I don't see us breaking into the, you know, mid to high 30s like last year. Um, if it's not Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey, who will be the MVP of the Chiefs offense? Mm, uh, I think what I've been talking to people this week, a lot of them expect it to be Isaiah Pacheco, like yeah, their yeah, dark horse yeah. pick, their mm-hmm. their whole, oh, this is going to be the biggest part of the game is Isaiah Pacheco. And they have, you know, precedent for that in the form of uh, Damian Harris, who, once scored, you know, a couple of touchdowns in Miami to key a comeback for the Chiefs that led to their first Super Bowl win, uh, you know, in 50 years. So that, I understand that they are two different players. Um, Pacheco does factor in very well, and the Niners have struggled to stop the run. So I could envision a situation in which, you know, Pacheco goes for over 100, scores a couple of touchdowns, one of them's in the fourth quarter, and, and it propels them to victory where that gets in the MVP. But Damian didn't get that MVP that he deserved, Back in the uh, you know Super Bowl Fifty Four, 
So, uh, you know, they, they love to give it to, to the quarterback and, and that sort of situation. If they are going to come back, I'm sure it would still land on Mahomes' shoulders more than anything. The only other guy that I think could potentially do it is a Rasheed Rice uh, type right. of player because, you know, you're, you're going to have to have somebody to contribute in the passing game outside of Travis Kelsey, and Rice feels like the guy I'm most confident in outside of Travis Kelsey. Uh, on the subject of Pacheco and the Chiefs' run game, I got to ask: How do you explain how poor the Niners' run defense has been these playoffs? Uh, they've spoken about effort a lot this week, hmm. and which kind of blows my mind. And <laughs> you know, you had, you have a problem with giving maximum effort on every play in playoff games and conference championship game. Like that, that's just a little extreme to me. Um, but I, I think it's yeah, there's some merit to it because this is not a defense that it's overly complicated and, and, you know, does a lot of different things to try to mix it up and, and maybe that could add to it. I mean, they, they, they pretty much stick to being a four, three defense and, you know, obviously go sub package and everything else. It's just a matter of executing. Um, I don't know what the answer is to it either, but I also think that, you know, they faced a Packers team that ran the ball really well, you know, down the stretch, Aaron Jones is on an absolute heater to end his season and then they played a Lions team that, you know, time and time again, we found that if they could run the ball effectively, they were likely to win. And they did do that for like two and a half quarters. So I think you could see that again being an issue for them. But will it be an issue for them for all four quarters? I'm not so certain. We're speaking with Nick Shook on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call. Um, the sports books have the 49ers as a slight one and a half point favorite. Do you agree with that line or do you maybe consider the Chiefs the favorites in this? Uh, I think this is one of those games that nobody knows how it's going to play out. And I, and weirdly enough, I think the rematch element from Super Bowl 54 is playing a part in that, which is hilarious because you know these are two different teams. You do have some familiar main characters, but these are two different teams with two different sets of strengths and weaknesses. Uh, compared to those teams, but it's it's tough. You know, I, I try to assign confidence points to uh, each unit. I think to really wade through you know the madness and try to figure out myself. And I feel like because you have Patrick Mahomes, and that almost that alone should give you a slight edge because a point and a half is nothing. Um, but hey, you know uh, if if it ends up being the the Niners uh, by the time we get to kick off or whatever, we don't get like a massive shift and. I guess I could see that too. Um, I, I have a little bit more confidence in the Chiefs, though. Is there a big storyline um, at the Super Bowl that the Niners as a franchise, even though they've had a number of good seasons, and especially in the last you know couple of decades, um, they still haven't won a Super Bowl since 19, what was it, 1994? Yeah, um, that's kind of the main theme. And then the, the biggest question that directly relates to that is can Brock Purdy be the guy to do it? Because look, there, it wasn't that long ago that the Niners thought they had their guy. And his name was Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. And the way that they lost that game to the chiefs in the super bowl played a pretty big part in how the franchise viewed him over time, especially as he wasn't able to get there and he wasn't able to get healthy, you know, stay healthy enough to get them there again. And, or he just flat out faulted on, you know, the doorstep of the Super Bowl games like that, um, that that narrative started to shift when he did not deliver in that game. And when he missed that deep ball to well, who was it, Emmanuel Sanders or somebody uh, on the uh, 
on the 49ers in that game where he had him wide open and missed him, you know, very badly. It felt like they were never as confident in him again. Yeah. At least the, the general football yeah. public wasn't. So that feels like the narrative around this team, which is that, look, you just realized, you just figured out how hard it is to get back here. Are you going to be able to get it done again? And is Brock Purdy going to be able to do what Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't? So we'll find out. Nick, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this and for waking up early to do it as well. Uh, enjoy the rest of the in day. Las Vegas of all places. I know. Maybe hey. just stayed up all night. <laughs> Try and enjoy Vegas. I know it's difficult, but. If you, if you ever need an indicator of how much I like you guys. This, right? <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> you're the best. You're neighbor. a good egg, Nick. Thanks, buddy. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll do this next week to wrap everything up. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Nick Shook from NFL.com here wow. on the Halford and Breath Show. I wouldn't have done that for us. Yeah, now I feel bad. I didn't realize he was in Vegas. Yeah. I asked him about 6.30. I was like, oh, it's 9.30 his time. He'll be fine. His room looks like fear and loathing in Vegas right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. Like, uh, God, where's the mescaline? <laughs> yeah. This is bad country. <laughs> um, Nick's the best. I, You know, I didn't really know him all that well prior, prior to this season. I'd kind of seen his work, and I know he's a tireless worker for NFL.com. Like, if you go and look at his byline, if you filter by author, he just churns it out. Like, he is writing piece after piece after piece from Vegas for NFL.com, and he is one of the best, and we're very lucky to have him here on the show. Uh, I didn't get a chance to ask him about this next story because I know that he's sort of inundated with Super Bowl stuff, so maybe he's not necessarily paying attention to everything else that's going on in and around the NFL, but there was a very, very funny moment yesterday when Jackson Smith and Jigba was doing some Super Bowl media stuff and if you, we don't even have the video in front of remind, us. Remind people who that is. That is the Seattle Seahawks wide receiver, rook, mm. rookie wide receiver, who had a pretty good year. Yeah. But what was one of my complaints this year? I felt like with this great weapon on offense, why wasn't he getting the ball more? Why weren't they finding more ways to get mm -hmm. him the football? So yesterday. And, and other guys, too. By the way, uh, Super Bowl Media Week is hilarious. We don't have the, uh, the visual, obviously. It's very tough. But the segment was very clearly brought to them by uh, bounty paper towels because they had about eight rolls of bounty paper towels prominently displayed in front of the podcast radio host and then Jackson. Don't forget the chicken wings too. And the wings, right? So it's like if you get, you know, barbecue sauce on your fingers, you have bounty paper towels right there at the ready. Is it like that skip the dishes cape or apron or whatever? Except it's not attached to your body. Oh, just I see. The paper okay. towels. Yeah, yeah. There, okay. okay. And any old fashioned room. Uh, yeah. Mo, if we, you know, when we talk to Moj, we'll ask him about it. But Super Bowl Media Week is just this big product placement. Mm -hmm. These guys come on and it's like, hey, it's Jerry Rice here for, I don't know, some sort of orthotic. Not Kintec. They're the yeah. best. But um, anyway, Jackson Smith and Jigba was asked about Shane Waldron, because Shane Waldron, his former offensive coordinator in Seattle, is now the new offensive coordinator in Chicago. And they wanted to know, hey, how excited should we be about Shane Waldron as the new offensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears? The audio is unintentionally hilarious. I'll just let it roll and we'll pick it up on the other side. This is uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba talking about Shane Waldron, his former OC, the new OC in Chicago. Bears fans are super interested about the offensive coordinator coming in, Shane Waldron. What can you tell them about who they just hired to, to uh, try to get this offense where it needs to go? Um, uh, oh. this, is, this is live? Yeah. <laughs> We're not live. We're not live. I'm playing. Um, <laughs> uh, good luck to y'all. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a great person, great offensive coordinator. I was very lucky to have him my first year. Learned a lot from him. Um, I think he's going to – I think him and Justin will mesh well. 
Oh, we're dropping it there? Uh, you wanted the whole thing? They, uh, no, there's not. like a follow-up question that's not really. It goes on and on to further undermine Shane Waldron as a f- an offensive coordinator. Now, my biggest complaint last year with that offense was, where's the creativity? Where's the mm-hmm. all this stuff that we're seeing with other offenses in the NFL <laughs> with unique ways to get guys the ball and really creative play calling and you know the use of a tight end on occasion and the use of a screen pass to a running back? Yeah. Or how are you working and manipulating your offensive sets to get the ball into the hands of all these different guys. Do you think he had an excuse with the tight end thing in that the tight ends were used a lot for blocking because they didn't trust the offensive line enough? Bigger picture from what you spin off from what you just said. I think he had an issue with how Pete wanted the offense to run. Like I don't put this entirely on the shoulders of Shane Waldron. Can we just talk about how funny that what an amazing clip. That that clip was like, are we live? Because yeah. my live answer might be different than my, hey, uh, can we just like cut this out? Because I don't then, really want to talk and then, about and then, it. And then he said, oh, I'm just playing. To which I responded, you're not playing. Yeah, you knew exactly what you were doing. Well, there, playing with fire. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, g- good luck to you guys. <laughs> so I, you know what? <laughs> I gotta say, I really want it, when the story of this year's Seattle Seahawks eventually comes out, the unauthorized, you know, behind the scenes look. I got to wonder how dysfunctional that team in that room was this year. Because this year was the one in which they finally said, okay, Pete, enough's enough. It's time for you to you know, walk off into the sunset. They got rid of their offensive coordinator. They got rid of their defensive coordinator. They hired a 36-year-old head coach. Yeah. And they gave all the reins power-wise to John Schneider. So you tell me, like, how how bad must it have gotten behind the scenes for this massive an overhaul? Do you think it was relevant for me to keep bringing up those two media veils, one with Jamal Adams and one with DK Metcalf, when they kind of, like, smirked at getting in trouble by Pete? Yeah, I do. I think, I mean, the like reason, the, the reason that I There just didn't push, seem to be a huge amount of respect for Pete. The only reason that I pushed back at the time was because of the two individuals involved. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like I, I, because I looked at it, and I'm like, well, Jamal Adams, all due respect to the situation, I feel like that guy's a jerk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then with DK, I kind of had he the can same. be petulant. Like I, here's the thing: if it was Tyler Lockett and Bobby Wagner blowing off Pete mm-hmm. Carroll's reprimands, I'd be like, oh, that carries a little bit more weight. But yeah, this was I, too. I, I, like, I don't want to say problem children, but they were kind of problem children. Those two guys. Right? Yeah. No, so, I know. Yeah, but. But I understood what you were getting at. Like the inmates might have been running the asylum and that the Seahawks for all the talk about the great culture that Pete had built there in that apparently it maintained, it was maintained. Like I, I didn't see that great culture. Nope. Not at all. I I, I actually, I actually was watching a team that if I were to guess had a terrible culture. I mean, the biggest indicator <laughs> The biggest indicator for me wasn't those two guys. It was the complete cleaning of house in the aftermath. How many teams that, by the way, were one game away from making the playoffs, Jason? How many teams that were one ga- game away from making the playoffs, one win away, uh, fire their head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator in yeah. the aftermath? Like, that's mm-hmm. telling to me. Mm-hmm. And then... And I think it was the way they lost games down the stretch. I kept looking at that entire collective, offense, defense, special teams, and I'm like, they have way more talent totally. than what we're seeing on mm-hmm. a regular basis. It mm-hmm. seemed like they underachieved and they underperformed all the time, and then the moment that they, they really needed it in a game where they were slogging it out, they would snap their fingers and a big play would happen. Right. 
the 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 win over Philadelphia, where Drew Locke made that nice pass, but I put that on Smith and Jigba for making an amazing catch. I'm like, you're telling me that that guy can make that kind of catch in that moment, <laughs> and he's not getting the ball with more regularity. Like he looked like a you know a ten year vet and a perennial uh, Pro Bowler and All Pro. Yeah. Well, hopefully there's a little more respect for Mike McDonald, and that'll be a challenge for him. Because if if there is a problem in that room with the players respecting the coaching staff, or sometimes what can happen is the wrong guys become leaders. Sure. Right? The wrong guys just happen to be the alpha dogs, and they become the leaders. And then, you know, I think we've seen the value of having Quinn Hughes named captain this season um he's he's a natural leader mm-hmm. he, he really is um and of course rick tockett is probably the leader of the group yeah um and when you have the right guys in charge then sometimes things start to fall in place there are going to be problems in any room all season like in any room even on a good team like things are going to crop up Nobody's asking a team to sing kumbaya Safe. together all season long. Um, you know, good teams often describe their teams as like, we're like a family in there. Well, have you ever met a family? You know, there yeah. are some there are some really strong families, but all families have problems. But, you know, the best families get through it together, and at the end of the day, they're supporting each other. Then they're all on the same page. Uh, a friendly reminder as we wrap up the NFL talk uh, – Reserve your spot for the big football party at the Clayton Public House, hosted by Sportsnet 650. Visit ClaytonPub.com. Clayton Public House, good food, good people, good times. We will get back into the Canucks talk and the NHL talk in the 7 o'clock hour at 7.30. Former Canucks goalie and Nesson Bruins studio analyst Andrew Raycroft is going to join the program as we look ahead to tonight's Stanley Cup preview between the Bruins and the Canucks. You are listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.